What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hey Leader Podcast. My name is Hayden. Thank you so much for watching, whether you're watching on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube. Go ahead and do something for me. Click that subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Like this video, share it with a friend. And clicking the subscribe button does a lot. It First off, it gives me a subscriber, which is awesome. That way I can connect with you, know that you're listening. It's good stuff. And then second, what it does is it gives you new content each and every week right to your homepage so you can see that there's new videos for you to watch. Nice. So you should do that. That'd be a good good idea. A few weeks ago, I decided to make this podcast just to bring refreshing conversations from leaders to leaders. And today we got to do just that. I got to have a conversation with a friend of mine. His name's Elijah, and he's the youth pastor at a church called Fellowship Church in Zachary, Louisiana. Elijah is leading at a very high level, and he has a lot of experience in his field. But we had a really cool conversation today about his story of waiting for this job to open at Fellowship Church. I'll let him share all the details in the conversation, but I will tell you, you're going to be encouraged if you're a leader right now waiting, if you're looking for that next opportunity, if you're waiting for the right position to open, or simply you're just waiting to move on. I absolutely enjoyed this conversation with him, and I hope you will too. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Elijah. What's up, Elijah? How are you, man? You good? What's up, bro? I'm great, dude. Happy post-Sunday, Monday. <laughs> you had a, a crazy um a crazy yesterday which it sounds like it's just a normal thing tell me a little bit about like what your day usually you start at like 8 a.m so sunday starts at 8 a.m sometimes it doesn't end until 8 p.m if not later (laughs) it was like 10 30 last night and you were like all right bro i'm all good i'm just getting home (laughs) i was like no literally so you know sometimes you take students home from events and it's end up a carousel of cars is behind you and you're like have 13 kids with you Oh my gosh. You are, uh, you're amazing. All right. Tell people who you are. Cause I, I yeah. kind of know you, me and you got to know each other. We did a phone call like a month ago. That was the first time we met and I loved our phone call. Our conversation was awesome. And so I was like, man, I'd love to get this guy on the podcast. And, uh, so tell, I know, I know who you are, but tell the people who you are so people can get an idea of who is Elijah. Yeah. So my name is Elijah Holbrook. I'm originally from Georgia, but now I live in the great state of Louisiana. Um, I am a youth pastor at Fellowship Church, Zachary, the OG, we call it the OG Ark Church. Yes. um, Yeah, so I moved down here in August and I've been here since then and it's been one heck of a ride, but the greatest ride ever. Yeah, man. And you've been, so you're brand new on staff there. And I've obviously heard about your church for just being around a part of Ark Churches and going to Ark Conference and just hearing from different influential leaders in that space. I mean, your church is a very influential church, but you just came on staff in August. And um, tell us a little bit about the road to get to the point where you're at. I mean, you're, you're a youth pastor now, but you weren't always a youth pastor. So tell us how, how did you get the position where you're at and kind of yeah. what was the road like leading up to then? Yeah. So yes and no. So I grew up in ministry. Let's, let's give a little bit of history and give it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, let's do it. So I grew up in ministry. My mom was my kids pastor at once, my youth pastor at once, or my worship pastor at once. Oh, wow. So like being in the seat that I'm in today was something that I never really wanted to do. I was uh-huh. like, Jesus, anything other than this. And then he was like, you have jokes. Like <laughs> I was, my plan was to stay in Georgia, go to law school, do anything outside of ministry, like even when I got to Lee University after I graduated high school, I was there for four and a half years and I changed my major probably a handful of times. 
it went from psychology to youth ministry, youth ministry and psychology, psychology. And then like, finally my mentor, he was like, you need to stop playing games. Just come intern at the church with me and get your major in psychology because you do more counseling and sitting with students and understanding their lives than anything else. Yeah. So did that. And then, so yes and no to me being in youth ministries before I got here. Gotcha. So, yeah. So I, did, I didn't know, I didn't know about that experience. You didn't tell me that. So that's, that's pretty cool though. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. And you know, my wife's a mental health counselor. And so I didn't okay. even know that you did that in, in college with psychology. And that's awesome yeah. that you took that approach. So you did the internship and then, and then where, where did everything go? Yeah. So from there, I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I helped launch a student ministry up there. Um, and I was up there for two years. And for that season, it was a great fit. And then in that season, God just started to shift some things into me. And then I had the opportunity, kind of the end of my career up in Nashville and youth ministry to leave from Nashville to go back to Georgia to the metro Atlanta area in Beaufort to be basically an executive pastor. Yeah, that's what you told me. A director of operations, executive pastor, whatever the pastor needed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, building teams, building small groups, making sure that the order of service was running, making sure that the kids weren't killing each other, like, <laughs> making sure that all of our team was communicated with, basically. Yeah. And then when I was there at the church in Atlanta, in Buford, I woke up about a year and a half in, in October and I woke up with zero joy and I was like, something. Mm. and I'm like, I've never felt this way before. And I was like, Lord, what is going on? I'm like, maybe it's just an off day. Maybe it's a spiritual attack, you know, make it super spiritual, of course. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I was like, what is going on? And then I went throughout my day, worshiped through the like emptiness, basically. Uh, and I was like, Lord, I feel empty. I don't know what's going on. There's no joy. There's no peace. There's, I feel nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and woke up, went through my week, kind of just ignored the feeling. Next Sunday came around, same exact feeling. Hmm. And then um, started to pray from October to February that the Lord would either show me or the pastor that I was leading under what my next steps needed to look like what mm -hmm. exactly I was going through but also in the middle of that I had the opportunity at the end of October to go to Church of the Highlands where I claim that as my home church at the end of the day Church of the yeah. Highlands those are my people so I went to a youth pastor event there um and I was sitting with all of these youth pastors and I'm like I'm not even a youth pastor how did I get invited to this <laughs> and like at this point I was doing nothing with youth ministry other than serving when they needed me to at my church yeah. And I was like, I used to do youth ministry. I don't know if I want to go back into this. Like, what is going on? And then I got back to my hotel room that night and I was like, crap, I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. Mm -hmm. And then from that point forward, I was like, once again, like, Lord, I need you to confirm what this is doing and what you are doing through my pastor. Mm. So I prayed once again, October to February and my pastor in February, he pulled me into his office. He's like, hey, bro, the joy in your eye is gone. And I'm like, hey, bro, you're not wrong. <laughs> and he was like, what, what's going on? And I'm like, I just really miss youth ministry. And like, he knew it. Like, mm -hmm. he could see like my energy level when I was hanging out with students compared to my energy level when I was hanging out with 
small group leaders who were twice my age was completely different because I was yeah. 25 when yeah. I first stepped into that position. I'm 27 now. No, I just turned 25 at that point. So 24, 25 leading as an executive role. Yeah. And I was like, uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> now looking back at it, I'm like, I was crazy. <laughs> but, um, walked into my pastor's office and he was like, hey, bro, like if you want to get back into youth ministry, then like, I'm not telling you what to do, but you need to do it. Hmm. And he's like, unfortunately, like we don't have anything here. So he's like, you're blessed to do whatever you need to do to step back into that fulfillment that God has for you. Hmm. And I was like, give me 24 hours and I'll come back and I'll let you know. Yeah. I got in my car, bro, after that conversation and I started bawling. And I was like, Jesus, <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. I don't cry. I don't cry unless yeah. I'm in the spirit. <laughs> and yeah, I got to my car, called my mom, and I said, I think I'm going to quit my job. And she was like, What? <laughs> She's like, Wait. She's like, Wait, do you have anything else signed up? And I'm like, No. And like, before this, this is before we even knew COVID existed, really. Yeah. This, so, yeah, give us an idea. So, this is the, this is like fall 2019. This is fall of last year. No, fall, spring of last year. So, this was last February. So, the month before COVID. Oh, when gotcha. I, when I oh. had that conversation with my pastor. Oh, well, that brings everything into context for our listeners too, to understand yeah. like what's about to come and that we're probably going to spend most of the podcast. <laughs> so a month before COVID, I sat down with my pastor and I was like, hey, bubs. He's like, hey, bubs. And I'm like, this is, I love you. <laughs> he's like, I love you. And he's like, but you're, and so that's kind of how it went, bro. Oh, and, wow. And like super honoring, super cool. The like lead pastor basically saw my gifting and he's like I just don't have a fit for you here he's like mm. I want to he's like I wish that we had a fit for you here yeah. but, um so month before COVID and then as soon as I stepped out of that conversation got in my car called my mom I started actively praying and searching and seeking for what getting back into youth ministry even looked like and then wait, just to pause, I don't want to cut you off, but just to ask you a question. So like when you had that conversation with your lead pastor and he, and he said that he didn't have anything for you, but he supported you fully. I'm sure it was a mix of like relief that your pastor supports you, but it's also a mix of like practical, like nervousness, like, uh, I don't have a job though. So, yeah. so did you end up stepping away from that position to wait or like, how did that, how did that work? Yeah. So oh, wow. I... <laughs> This it's always funny talking about this story to people they're all like you're crazy and I'm like mm -hmm. so <laughs> um stepped out of that that was February and then a month later COVID hit my last Sunday was supposed to be Easter Sunday oh wow basically um that's when I told him I was gonna be like peace out A-town then COVID <laughs> hit he was like you don't have to stay if you don't want to basically and I'm mm. like okay so um <clears throat> sorry a month later bro COVID hit and no job mm. nothing but the cool thing was is like Holy Spirit always prepares you for what's to come like God's yeah. not gonna not have you prepared for what he's about to do next and from October to February for some reason I had no desire to spend any extra which I mean as a 27 year old millennial it's weird to say even as a young 20 millennial like we want to spend our money on coffee cool clothes and cool shoes always even yeah in oh yeah so Definitely. i had like this pressing to like 
save up every single penny that I could and stop playing games with my finances in the middle of that too. Wow. The cool thing was, is even though I didn't have a job, even though the pandemic hit in March, I had plenty of finances to hold me over. That's awesome. Still, I found where I was going. But from the end of March till middle of August was my waiting period. Mm, And what I I mean is like me interviewing with churches, me going, even I even flew to some churches to talk with them, got off the plane and immediately felt no peace to be there. Oh, wow. Or would go and would try to push through and give myself peace and try Mm. to, because it looked like a great fit on paper. But then like, I'm very bold headed. Uh I see something, I want it, I run for it. So for instance, there's this one church and I, it looked great. It was a decent sized church. Everything on paper looked great. The youth ministry was thriving and I was going to get up to be a part of something that looked like it would fulfill me. Yeah. But the biggest prayer that I prayed in that moment was, Lord, if this is not me, if this is not for me, if this is not your will, where you want me to build your kingdom, then give me zero peace. That way I know that it's not you. And that's a, and it sound that's a great prayer on paper, but then when you yeah. actually experience it, it's very frustrating. Cause I, I completely get what you're wanting. Yeah. You wanted to align your heart with God's yeah. and you're asking for this. And then that's what you experienced was well, that. So the thing that the Holy spirit does with me is when I don't listen, he takes away my appetite, bro. I love food <laughs> and I love to eat, but my appetite, anytime I would try to press through and give myself peace instead of following the peace of God, my appetite would immediately leave. So there was one time I flew up to a church up north and I was hanging out with our team and I would have to force myself to eat through me (laughs) having an appetite. That way they wouldn't think that I was crazy. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it's also just being unsettled. You know, it's like your your spirit isn't settled and that's the result is that lack of appetite is like an unsettled spirit in general, whether you're, you're nervous for something like what, you know, even right before you preach at a, a big event or something, you yeah. know, you're nervous or whatever it is, you're not really usually hungry. You're, you're pretty unsettled, you know? So, yeah. but I, but I hear you. I mean, I mean, I'm sure that you would get in these, these places and you're like frustrated. Like, why is this not, why am I not feeling peace here? Yeah. And so you had to wait. And that was how many months of waiting for the so next the step? Of, so the end of March to the middle I didn't move here until the middle of August. Wow. So in the middle of the pandemic, I did what any crazy millennial in ministry did and started a podcast. Yeah, here we go. Look at me. Here we are. And when I was just like seeking actively for like what's next in youth ministry, I went to the Church of the Highlands event. Everything for me in ministry is surrounded by Highlands. Um, and I love it. So I went to the Church of the Highlands Youth Leader Summit. And it's now called Motion House. And yeah. there I met my next gen director. And I was like, for some reason, I feel like I'm supposed to ask her to be on my podcast that I was about to launch. So we got into a group text randomly, didn't even have her number at this point, got into a group text with all these other youth pastors. And I was like, hey, I saw you speaking on stage at Motion House. Would love to have you on the podcast. I feel like your story would impact a ton of other people. Yeah. Had her on my podcast, bro. At the end of the podcast, she's like, well, aren't you in youth ministry? And I told her my story that I just said. And she's like, hey, for some reason, I feel like I'm supposed to ask you for your resume. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, pause, what? 
and sent her my resume. And then she's like, let us get through this pandemic and shift getting back to in-person services. And then we're going to fly you down. That's awesome. A month passed. Didn't think anything else of it, bro. Yeah. Beginning of July, she called me. She said, hey, in a few weeks, we're hosting, because at this point, everything in the pandemic closed everything down. So motion conference, everybody held their own motion conference at their church. Yes. No, I so, remember I, I was a part of that doing it digitally. It was oh, crazy. Bro, it was wild. It was yeah. the most successful but most wild thing ever. Yeah. Um. So she flew me down in the middle of them having their in-person motion experience at their student ministry, now our student ministry. Mm-hmm. And um bro as soon as i flew into baton rouge because i'm in baton rouge louisiana well zachary louisiana and um as soon as i flew into the baton rouge airport every single song that i listened to in the middle of my waiting period and every single song that i was listening to and just like asking god what my next move was turned on wow like for the like last 15 minutes of them landing the three top songs that I listened to in the middle of my transition turned on. And I was like, there's no way. Yeah. And, and then as soon as we landed, I had this immediate peace. Mm. And I was like, you've got to be kidding. Baton Rouge. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, especially after all of those flights that are, you know, the one or two or however many yeah. it was that you didn't feel peace when you landed. Um, I'm sure you were anxious as before yeah. you landed, you're like waiting for that feeling of like, Am I going to get the same feeling I've gotten before? Yeah. And, and you probably were expecting it. And with Baton Rouge, it's just, it's not sometimes, especially if you're coming from, I guess you were in Atlanta at the time yeah. where you're, you're going from Atlanta. You're like, it might not have been on your radar, you know? <laughs> so <laughs> Baton Rouge is not on my map at all of places to move to. Yeah. I don't like when you think of where to move, you think of Nashville, you think of Tennessee, like you think of Atlanta or Charlotte. Yeah, big cities. Or Birmingham. Yeah. Or Birmingham yeah. South. Yeah. Like those are the places outside of Florida. Or you think of like Denver or Malibu, you know? Yeah, of course, um, Malibu, definitely. Always. <laughs> but like Baton Rouge, and I flew in, bro, had this immediate peace. And I was like, mm. what is going on? Got picked up from the airport pulled into the church parking lot and I was like all right holy spirit I hear you wow yeah and it was like I mean I'm sure it just was con- continued confirmation over and over again throughout oh. the trip and then and then how long was it from the moment you were there for that for that you know however long you stayed for the interview process to actually getting the job and then moving and taking it and like all of yeah. that so I was here for five days when I interviewed okay so I came in on a Wednesday afternoon, went to youth service that evening to see and experience that. And then we went straight into motion conference. And then I hung out with the students. I hung out with the student ministry team, fell in love with that more than anything else. Like as soon as I walked in, they're like, hey, and I'm like, oh no. I was like, y'all are already too accepting of me. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, Cause like everything that I, cause I prayed a list of prayers over wherever I was moving to, like there was a bullet point list of what the church, what the youth ministry that I wanted to be involved with at this point looked like, mm. especially after all of those times of trying to push through the peaks. Mm. And as soon as I walked in, every single, like every single bullet point from day one to day five fell into place. Wow. A pastor who loved, a pastor who shepherd, a pastor who cared about your mental health, a pastor who challenges you, a pastor who accepts you right where you are, even when you fell in ministry, 
Yeah. Also, not just a pastor that's that way, but also an executive team that, that is that way, a student ministry that is that way, and just like the authenticity level of how this ministry from top to bottom, zero to death runs. Yeah. So that was something you put together in that waiting period. So like yeah. while you were waiting, you actually put pen to paper, you know, for maybe a figure of speech, or maybe you actually did that, but you actually put pen to paper what you wanted in this place. And you started yeah. to pray over those things. Um, the secular world calls that manifesting, you know, but the spiritual <laughs> world, we talk, we, we call that prayer. Um, and uh, now and then my pastor will be like, how's your, are you manifesting? And I'm like, uh, you are so funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're so woke. <laughs> so he is, his, his biceps are the size of our heads. He's got those Craig Rochelle muscles. You thought I said yoked. I said woke. He's so woke. He's like so jacked. Yeah. So that that waiting period is the thing that when you when we had the phone call last time when we first when we first talked, that was the thing that stood out to me the most because yeah. um, I was fascinated by that because I think a lot of leaders find themselves in that season of waiting, especially during COVID. I mean, not not only were you without a job and you were waiting for the next thing. But it was during COVID when you had right. so much time to stare at yourself, to be anxious for the future, unsure of where the world's going, let alone your career is going. Yeah. So what were some of the things that you did in that season to, to get through it? You said push to the piece or push through yeah. to piece. Like, what were some of the things you did to push through that season of just waiting for God to make it clear what was next? Yeah. Um, it was literally a, it's one of those puzzles that you never know you're going to finish or not. Mm -hmm. Almost. Oh, <laughs> yeah. like, does this piece go here? Does this piece go there? Uh -huh. um, every day looked different, bro. I mean, there was days where I would just sit into my floor unless I was eating and I would just sit there staring blankly at the wall or staring <laughs> at my computer being like, all right, Lord, like, where's the job going to come from? Like, what does youth ministry look like? Where does youth ministry lead me to? Like, you're wanting me to go back into this, which I fully believe, but what does that even look like? Mm -hmm. But any good or any person who's been around church for a while knows that community is bigger than anything else, especially mm -hmm. if you want to push through to finding help, finding yourself and finding a way to edify yourself. Um, mm -hmm. So even though we were in the middle of isolation, even though we were supposed to be social distancing, even though we were supposed to not be hanging out, I still had to lean into my community, bro. Mm. I was on phone calls from the time that I woke up, from the time that I went to bed, if I wasn't on my floor, seeking after God's presence, seeking after what was next, reading his word, reading vision. Because like the biggest thing is, is sometimes in ministry, we're like, all right, God, what? vision do you have for my life like what mission do you have and the biggest thing that I learned in that moment was go back to the basics go back to reading your bible where most of your vision should come from if your yeah, vision good. is not surrounded by the word of God then it's just a man-made vision that's never going to really really fulfill yourself mm. so I had to find my vision in God's word and find my community that also pointed back to God's word a community that looked like the word of God and that would pray with me, that would cry with me. And the funny thing was, is I wasn't the only one in my community that was going through that same transition. Oh, like, wow. It was like, as soon as I <laughs> left my church, it seems like 10 or 12 other more of my friends did the same thing. 
And there were a lot of transitions like that. I mean, not just within your, I mean, I think I would love to know, and I'm sure someone's working on it, what the, um, what the numbers were of transitions in church staff, but also just organizations in general and businesses in general, people moving positions. I think I listened to a podcast with Carrie Newhoff and the, uh, the leader of Vanderblumen, and he talked through after the pandemic of how you're going to see a lot of millennials moving closer to home and yeah. transitioning out of their role, just realizing how much they, that's what me and my wife did. We moved home during the, during the pandemic. But yeah, yeah. I mean, during, dude, I was in the exact same spot, bro. I was yeah. literally at my job. We knew we were transitioning out. We had a job lined up in South Florida and then the pandemic happened and that thing just went away. And we were just sitting there during COVID waiting. And that's why I think I related so much to your story. Cause I'm like, man, that is, it sucks. It's like, it was the worst, the worst season of just unsure of what tomorrow holds. The best parts of it were the things that you just said were the friends and the people in my life and the people even where I worked at the time who continued to hold me up, asked me how I was doing, prayed with me. They were burdened with me. They were carrying it with me. Like they were it was an amazing thing to hear people like genuinely con- like asking, how are things going? Like, how does, how is the job hunt going? Like, is there any, any p- potential p- prospects and having yeah. those people in your life? I mean, it makes moving through those painful and seasons when you're, you need to be patient. It makes it yeah. bearable. Well, the crazy thing was, is like, as soon as I left the meeting with my pastor in February, I had peace that mm. surrounded me like nothing else that I've never felt before. Yeah. And my Pentecostal side was like loving it. Yeah. Because <laughs> I grew up super Pentecostal, bro. Like running the aisles, people praying in tongues 24-7. So like yeah. the, that peace that I never got to really experience was cool. And the yeah. only time I didn't have that peace, like I said, this entire time was when I was trying to push through to a place that wasn't made for me. Mm-hmm. So even in the middle of me seeking for a job, searching for a job, looking for a job and trying to find my what's next, that peace is the thing that guided me the most. Hmm. And I think if you really look into scripture, like God's never going to leave you and he always wants to give you peace. But the moment that you step outside of his favor and his hand, the peace leaves. Mm-hmm. So it was cool seeing that his plan for my life and favor on my life was still there, even though I left an assignment. Yeah. Well, and I think it was clear what that season was for. I mean, especially the season of waiting. I mean, you were able, and who knows, I mean, who knows if you were able to really, um, without that season of waiting, if you were able to put together what you really wanted in that next church, mm-hmm. um, or who knows, even if, if you didn't take the job that you had in Atlanta as the executive role, if yeah. you had even known that you needed to do youth ministry, like, you know, now, yeah, bro. and, and so it all plays into its itself and hindsight's 2020, when you're on this side of things, you're like, yeah, it all makes sense. But in the moment of waiting, I think you said it perfectly. That community is everything. Yeah. And those people holding you up and, and getting you th- and pushing you through it yeah. is, is really everything. And so now on this side of things, now that you're, you're actively just, you're running now, you know, like you're, yeah, in it. you're not, you're not I'll in this waiting, running, not in that waiting season. I mean, y'all are going and I've been watching everything from on Instagram. Tell us a little bit about kind of just let's talk about once you got there what did you guys yeah. do did you make any changes any shifts what how did how long did it take you guys to start meeting in person were y'all already doing that like kind of tell us what y'all's model looks like and how y'all do youth group where you're at yeah so cool thing was is in the middle of that waiting period 
I got to rest a lot, dream a lot, and scheme a lot. Like youth mm-hmm. ministry has always been a part of my heart since I was 16. I mean, like I said, my mom was my youth pastor at once. So it's a part of my DNA already as it is. So got down here and immediately a week after I moved here, I had a meeting with all of my leaders. And I was like, hey, this because I accepted the job and then within two weeks moved down to here with only the clothes in my car. <laughs> so came down at the end of July, interviewed, waited about a week and a half to hear from pastor about what was next. And then after that, about two weeks after that, I moved with only what was in my car. Wow. And I said, all right, let's go. Holy Spirit, <laughs> this had to be you. Yeah. So I got here about a week and a half, two weeks after I got here, um, had that meeting with my leaders. They're super hungry. They're super, just the light in their eyes that was super encouraging, bro. And I was like, hey, the only thing that matters is students. Everything that we do is now for the one. I'm like, y'all have this mission statement, know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference like any other art church does. Yeah. Um, it's the Kool-Aid, bro. And I've drank the Kool-Aid for the past five years for being in the <laughs> art world anyways. So it was an yeah. easy thing for me just to plug it in. But I was like, the biggest thing that I want to add to this is it's for the one. So for mm-hmm. every student that we see, we want them to walk in here. And this is something that we've developed since the time that I've gotten here to now. So every student that we have that walks into our building, we want them to walk away with two things, which is knowing God and a friend. Mm-hmm. And with that just being said, and just really emphasizing how to be intentional to our leaders being like, hey, a 30 second text impacts a student more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So just seeing our leaders run after that dude. So I'm, I moved here and a month after I moved here, I was like, we need to do a big push. I said, we wanna see the student ministry grow. We wanna see it have fun. So I'm like, we need to do a big push. We're gonna have a theme night every single Wednesday night for a month. And then at the end of it, we're gonna do this thing called Crew Wars. That was the first thing that I implemented when I moved here was Crew Wars. And <laughs> big out, knockout, drag out, you see like hay bales, like this big, tall hay bale, bro, like with a flamingo at the top (laughs) called Capture the Flamingo. And you just see kids standing at the top, knocking each other off of that thing, trying (laughs) to like win the flamingo, dude. There is one point, I'll have to send you the video after this. Yeah. A girl's ankle probably should have snapped in half because she got thrown off so hard you're you're making me so nervous right now i'm like waiting for the story like when were you in the hospital dude <laughs> nobody walked away in an ambulance or going to the hospital there might have been a few sprains but we're fine. and there's liability release forms for a reason yeah no and that's what i was about to say i was like 2021 youth ministry you're doing 1990 youth ministry <laughs> oh bro we Going back to the basics, everything looks like the 90s when you walk into our youth room, like facility. It was the best. I mean, it's the best season of youth ministry was (laughs) was the 90s when you could just get away with literally anything. I even look at um, even the early 2000s and what some student ministries would do without like release forms or anything. If it wasn't for a liability release form, I would have been up the creek without a paddle because (laughs) those sprains would have been my fault those moms and dads would have been having my job yeah (laughs) but dude our youth ministry is like is something special bro like they were already meeting in person when i moved here like they were as soon as 
Louisiana said, all right, you can go to 50% capacity. Our youth ministry was like, all right, we're meeting up. Yeah. So, and so y'all, and y'all do, they we meet Wednesdays every, y'all meet every single Wednesday and y'all do every single service. Wednesday, but the first Wednesday. So here's kind of like our pipeline for youth ministry. So they were already meeting when I moved here. Um, they've been meeting for like three or four weeks, bro. They were like, uh-huh. we're done with Zoom and Instagram. It just doesn't work for our culture. Our culture is not really, it's social media heavy, but it's not at the same time. Mm-hmm. People here are more about hanging out together in person, more about, even if it's just sitting in each other's like presence, that are all about getting together. Gotcha. Um, so we meet every single Wednesday, but the first Wednesday. And you, as soon as you walk in, you see our check-in table, you see the music blaring, you see kids running up and down the hallway eating pizza. And then they are like running to the back to play fuse ball and ping pong and volleyball and basketball and just like chilling in the back with their friends. And then you'll see a photo booth as soon as you walk into that is based off of this series that we're doing. Bro, gotcha. that thing is a hoss. That thing yeah. made me trip and bust my butt one time. <laughs> so big. And you'll go in and then we'll go straight into a worship. Bro, our youth worship team's the best. You can yeah. come at me if you think yours is better. <laughs> DM me it. Our youth worship team is the best. And then we'll go into the message. And then the biggest win for us, bro. And this is like the biggest thing that I tell any youth pastor or youth leader that I talk with. I'm like small groups. Mm-hmm. Small groups is where students can actually understand that you're a real person. Students in 2020, 2021, 2022, from now on, Gen Z, they want to see that you're real. Yeah. They want to see how authentic you are and how long you're going to last. Yeah. They can sniff you out in five seconds. Yeah. So small groups, bro, is the thing that's grown our student ministry to the max that we're in. Were those Did those exist when you got there a little bit? Yeah. And- so most of everything besides like a few events, a few different things was already kind of in play before I got here. Well, good and good for you, man, for coming in and seeing like, hey, if it's not broken, I'm not going to try and shift something like if it's oh. working, like let's let's keep doing it. Um, the only thing that I shifted when I moved here was breaking our small groups smaller. So mm-hmm. we made every small group by grade instead of clumping it six and seven, eighth and ninth and like so on and yeah. so on. Like 11 These many, 12. many community like youth groups that are happening it's almost like that's not a small group guys yeah just because it was so big not every student had the chance to have a voice and find their Mm -hmm. voice so we were like we want to break this down into smaller so i met up with our small group coordinators and i was like hey bro like we have to make this smaller we have to make this to where every student has the opportunity to speak at least once in a small group setting Mm -hmm. because i would walk around during small group time on a wednesday night and see students just chilling on their phone because their group was too big or their group yeah. wasn't engaged enough because it was awkward. Yeah. So the only thing that I really shifted was breaking it down into smaller, small groups and telling the small group leaders, embrace the awkwardness and tell them to get off their phones. Yeah. And just, just for these next few moments, let's like, let's look at each other. Let's have a conversation. And especially if it's that big, I mean, I'd look at my phone too. I'd be like, yeah, I mean, that dude is talking and they're talking over there and I'm not a part. I don't even know that guy. Like we're not, we had a small group of girls of 30. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm, that's not a group. That's not a small group. group. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's a, 
Yeah, it's a really that's small. A church, it's a, that's, a church, that's a church plant team. Yeah, no, it's not. It's not a small group, and especially if you're trying to actually have a small group act as a small group where they're in it for yeah. each other. They're they're on the same team and they're doing life together and they actually get to know each other. And it's it's too many. Um, yeah. And so I'm guessing with that, you had to find more leaders in order to right. split them all up. So how did that, that happen? Thing that we already had the leaders. It was just putting them into the place and empowering them and putting mm-hmm. them into the place to also find their voice too. Because like youth ministry, yes, is about the students, but it's also about empowering your leaders to understand that, that like they have a voice, that they have an influence and that they matter just as much as you do. Yeah. And I mean, that that was a, a big thing for me was, was realizing when I was a student pastor that I was called to my students, yes, but the team that God had put around me, mm-hmm. I was called to lead as well and to shepherd. And so, I mean, that's a whole nother, a whole nother level of things, you know, how, how well am I preparing them? Do they know what they're supposed to do? Do they feel empowered to make decisions? Do they feel like they can fail? Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, am I fostering the calling on their life? Well, you know, am I giving them the, the platform that God has given me to give to them? Um, yeah one of my favorite scriptures from Ephesians is when Paul is telling the church to equip the saints for ministry. Like, like I think as youth pastors, it's so important for us to remember that it's not our job necessarily to do the ministry, but to equip the saints for ministry. And I think I've said it on the podcast to somebody, um, but just the reality of, I remember one of my pastors telling me if he saw me doing the ministry, that it might be time for me to go, that it's my job to raise up a team around me to do that ministry. And so you, you deciding to make the small groups small, uh, what an idea, but you deciding to make the small groups small, um, required you to, to have to lead into that team probably even more so. And I'm sure you're still trying to figure, I'm sure it's a work in a work in progress. I don't think there's ever going to be a spot or a place of where you're fully maxed with your team of where you only have everybody that you need in your student ministry or ministry team yeah no and if you if if you are you should (laughs) i hate sorry i didn't mean to cut you off i'm just gonna say if you are they should comment below tell us that you have a team that is fully staffed because i don't i don't think anyone feels that way (laughs) if you're fully staffed then you're like basically saying all right god i'm done reaching students yeah because yeah, like technically you can only reach six to 12 students per youth leader. Mm-hmm. No, exactly. And like effectively reach six to 12 students per youth leader, unless you really just love to drag your youth leader down and be like, all right, <laughs> we're done. Like yeah. you are going to be exhausted if that's the case. Well, no, I can't handle more than 13 lives. Like, you know, more than 12 lives, like stories uh, and the story stress and the weight of those those like uh, I can't do more than that and yeah. I can't expect my students or my leaders to do any, any more than that especially they have full-time jobs this is yeah. my that that was my job <laughs> and I could still only handle you know 12 so yeah. you know having having leaders um to lead those students I mean it's so so big especially in those small group settings um mm-hmm. and so you guys have really leaned into that but kind of you jumping into youth ministry and this, I mean, obviously you told me you did it before, but I'm sure now there's some funny stories that you have, like some things that have happened as a youth pastor, kind of, I mean, you told us the the story about the flamingo on top and the girl, oh, was, you know, spraining her, the, like a funny story that comes to your head, uh, like from student ministry, any crazy stories. I love hearing those. There's so many crazy and wild student ministry stories, just from like when I was in Nashville, the uh-huh. one in Nashville is like, we locked a kid out of the church van and he like, this is our new role. I got this from my mentor. Anytime the last person to the 
van has to dance his way into the van. <laughs> he refused to dance. So we left him at Taco Bell. <laughs> we straight up left him at Taco Bell. And I said, you bet. It's just across the street to where we were going, but I'm like, yeah, you're staying yeah. here. Um, I mean, the hay bale thing, bro. And then, dude, I'll never forget, we were playing slip and slide tug of war. <laughs> and it just got wild. And one of our dudes, poor dude, like, he thought it would be smart to straddle the rope and try to like, <laughs> lean into his body weight to pull. And I'm like, no, bro, you're going to hurt yourself in the wrong way. <laughs> And it's oh. slip and sl- I love how you started that. Slip you said we were, slide, we were playing slip apart. and slide tug of war. Like it was just a casual. It was just another day. I mean, we were playing. That, just- bro, that is casual <laughs> for me. Any any youth ministry that I've been a part of, slip and slide tug of war comes with me. Or slip and slide dodgeball. Have you ever slip played that? Slip and slide dodgeball. We're doing slip and slide volleyball next No, week. sorry. I, I've never played slip and slide dodgeball. That'd be insane. I meant slip and slide kickball. So like oh, you slip and slide to the to the, uh-huh. the the spaces yeah no that's good bro, <laughs> Dude, i could talk then, about that all day all those games <laughs> i don't know there's there's more crazy unfiltered stories of like <laughs> i just can't tell them all they're not appropriate for the podcast. Yeah. all right to close we've been talking for a while i love it though i love dude i love you i love hearing your stories i i'm refreshed just kind of hearing Oh, this, this is just the surface of it, bro. There's so oh, much. Oh, I know. There. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. <laughs> I can already tell. I can tell there's so much. And I'm refreshed too because I'll be honest, man. I've sat in conferences. I've sat on phone calls with other leaders and, and different youth pastors. And, and we, we talk so much strategy and the, you know this system, that system, and all of that stuff I'm sure you're well-versed in. But it's really oh, yeah. refreshing, really refreshing to just hear you talk about like the genuine love that you have for what you do. And I, I absolutely love it. And I love your take on a lot of things, especially from the phone call we have, but even just the yeah. Zoom, like your take and your opinion on things. And so I've been asking my guests this the past few weeks um, on the podcast. And it's just a segment I just call Fresh Thoughts. I just kind of want to hear, what are you reading? What are you learning? Um, is there anything you're seeing on the horizon, maybe in youth ministry that you're like, hey, we need to watch out for this? Or is there anything in your personal life as a leader that you're like, I'm trying to do this more, but what's fresh for you in your life right now? Yeah. So my ministry and my personal life kind of have a big blend. I try to keep Mm -hmm. some of it separate and at least have a Sabbath every now and then, but everybody in ministry knows how that goes. Um, So protecting the Sabbath is really the biggest thing that I fight for. Like there's one day where I'll put my phone on do not disturb. And unless you're one of my friends outside of my ministry, or unless it's like non-ministry related text, I'm not going to respond. Like mm-hmm. I'll read the text and kind of like see like the first line of it before like opening it up. And yeah. if it has something to do with what we're doing, I'm not going to respond. But what I'm reading right now is spiritually, emotionally healthy. So yeah. like I said, my degree is in psychology and it's really cool being in 2021, seeing that a lot of students are about mental health and they struggle with their mental health and they're very vocal about it. Hmm. And the church doesn't know how to handle students being so vocal about it. One of the first things that I had to deal with when I moved here immediately, it was day three of working here, was talks of four of our students being suicidal. Hmm. And none of us knew what to do. And I was like, this is honestly just an attack of the enemy upset with what we're about to do in student ministry, what we're about to do in our city, and what we're about to do in our state. So 
reading spiritually emotionally healthy has helped me really understand how to handle these students even more which i mean i already kind of do but it's refreshed my mind and like brought to remembrance a lot of what god says because if you know the arc model is know god find freedom discover purpose and make a difference and we kind of don't press into the find freedom part more than we should sometimes mm. and really for student ministry is helping students actively do that what are those next steps look like what and how can we check in with students and get our small group leaders to check in with students to be like hey like how's your anxiety today how's your mm. depression today how how are you mentally like what what's going on in your mind my favorite questions to my students and they hate it because they don't know how to respond is what's going on in your mind and because they don't know how to answer it nobody's ever mm. asked them that before because if you can figure out what's going on in their mind you can figure out how to minister to their heart because a lot of them if they say i don't know they're really confused in their heart they and then if they're confused in their heart then they don't know their identity mm. and that's not who god is god doesn't give us confusion god doesn't give us things that misshape our identity he's made our identity perfect in him mm. so the I biggest thing that. is reading that and kind of just pressing into that and it's cool because the next month and a half over summer before we go to motion conference, we're pressing into identity and we're pressing into mental health. That's good. And like every single one of our leaders is basically speaking on this at some point on the platform. And you're hitting on it. I mean, we're in May, we're in mental health month when we're recording this, this will release yeah. in June. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's a hotter topic than it ever has mm -hmm. been because we all had a long COVID season to look internally and see ourselves and be like oh what's going on in my head right now i did you know that's a big reason why I was, i'm in the yeah. position i'm in now is like um just anxiety um yeah, what's bro. going on in my head but also i think a lot of us as adults if if someone were to ask me hey what's going on in your mind right now i'd be like i'd probably respond the same way your students are i don't know bro <laughs> like like but guess what you got to do it's like you got to release that you got to yeah. bring it to light and um well, the Actually, thing is, is like being okay with not knowing too, but yeah. if the biggest thing that I do when I hear a student or even an adult or one of my dream teamers, because I do the same thing with my dream teamers who serve on our student ministry team. Yeah. And anytime I hear them say, I don't know, I'm like, well, why don't you know? Mm. And then a lot of them just don't know the questions to ask themselves or even to ask the people around them. Definitely. And just bringing it to light, I think is the huge thing. I mean, you're trying to create an environment where it's comfortable to bring those things to light. What's in darkness. Yeah. I'm an external processor. I just talk out loud. My wife, she loves it <laughs> sarcastically. Sure. And, uh, but she does, I mean, my wife, so my wife's a mental health counselor. And so she, you know, she has a whole different brain when she hears me, like when she, the way she's processing the information I'm giving, she's thinking completely differently. And, you know, one of the things recently she's told me to do, she's like, you got you need to go talk to somebody. Like we actually talking to an actual counselor that's like yeah. trained and, and, and knows, and knows how to, how to process the information you're sharing. Um, well, and so, you know, that's something for me that has been a challenge recently is just to open myself up to people and to share what's going on internally. That's pretty fresh for me. So if like fresh thoughts was for me, like that would be yeah. me right now is like, I'm getting to a place where I'm comfortable not knowing mm -hmm. the answers to my own problems. And I think as a pastor and a leader in general, we feel like we need to have the solution to the problem. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes we never want to talk about the problems that we're going through because yeah. we don't have the solution. And 
what you're doing as a leader is something that I would want to challenge everybody to do is to create spaces for your team to share when they don't know the answer to problems and yeah. for the, for themselves and for whatever they're leading, but really even for what's going on internally and in their head. I love that you're, you're prioritizing mental health to try to create those spaces for people to be honest about what's going on in their mind. Yeah. Well, it's not just mental health it's more just soul care. If you're yeah. about it, which is like, How's your mind? Because then you know how to, like I said, minister to the heart. And from there, like, mm. they're so healthy. No, I'm definitely challenged by it, man. And challenged by this conversation. I feel like me and you could probably go and just keep going and keep oh, going and keep There's going. Um, <laughs> and I, you know, and if, if people want to keep hearing you and kind of hear your story and where are you on the social media, what, what hand, what's your handle, all that stuff. No, we, I hate this question, to be honest. <laughs> what is oh well i just want people to be able to follow i know you and they, like i hate i mean i love it but i hate it because social media connects me to a lot of people and a lot of friends that i've gotten that are some of my best but you can follow me on the only <laughs> platform that i use which is instagram well i'm like so i'm so encouraged that i was encouraged just from following you you started that little the the post the sunday shuffle thing and oh, i was seeing all my sunday friends shuffle. i was seeing all of my friends posting it on sunday and it's a silly you know like fun just like hey we're all doing the sunday shuffle but yeah there is something back to that community word to see like when you're yeah. exhausted and you're running from 8 a.m to 10 30 p.m and you're seeing your your buddy in birmingham's doing the same shuffle, thing. your buddy in wilmington's doing the same thing other youth pastors are doing it i think it's something encouraging for youth pastors to uh, participate in on sundays just for everybody to see yeah the grind and we're doing it together the pod- <laughs> sunday shuffle also is getting a podcast in june oh sweet so you're going to do that? Yeah. Will yeah. that be on, are you doing, how are you doing that? So through Anchor, through all cool. listening platforms, me and my buddy Wayne are co-hosting and we're calling it Clout Podcast. Oh, I saw this. Okay. Yeah. Gotcha. So sweet. So was it called, Sun- did you have a Sunday Shuffle podcast? Yeah. So it was Sunday Shuffle. It's still like all the like channels and everything's still there. Like all of the podcasts are up still. Oh, cool. Sweet. And that's, that's the one you started during quarantine. That's the one I started during quarantine. And that's oh. how I got my job. If we're being there honest. you go. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, no, she was cause she was on the podcast. That's legit. Uh, dude, thank you so much for jumping on this, man. Um, if you're listening, definitely go follow Elijah, keep up with him, be encouraged uh, by his posts and what he's doing with his youth ministry. And then also uh, definitely go listen to Sunday shuffle the future podcast being called is it clout just clout yeah, that's it clout dude. isn't that so weird so dude, no I, I i love it i love it and then also me and <laughs> me and my friend jordan who was on the first episode of this we always talk about clout chasing um <laughs> and clout chasing youth pastors and clout chasing people <laughs> and so yeah man i'm excited for it that'll be awesome but dude thank you so much for being on um yeah I appreciate bro it. For sure. Thank you for having me. Elijah, thank you so much. Again, I really do appreciate it. And anyone who enjoyed today's conversation, if you're still watching, I hope you did, or you're just leaving this on play. I don't know what your situation is, but if you could click that subscribe button, like this video, share it with a friend, and go ahead and go follow Elijah on all social media platforms on Instagram. Go check out his podcast, anything we talked about, resources, books, things like that. You can find all of those in the show notes. Guys, thank you so much for watching. There's a new episode each and every week, so we'll see you next week. Yeah.